You're listening to the Morrowology Podcast. It's all about Morrow County, Ohio. I'm really glad I stayed till the end for this one. In the studio today is your hosts, Mike Wilson and Joey Powell. Hello, Mike Amos. Well, hello, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> All right, I'm going I'm, I'm to explain. I'm going to explain. Oh, you're going yeah, to? Okay. Yeah. Uh, somebody in the room forgot to uh, somehow get us started recording. So we are re recording. <laughs> What we started doing earlier, so I won't name any names, but you know his initials are Joey Powell. (laughs) All right, well I am uh, way behind here now uh, because we were on a really good roll. We were in talking with our um, our guest, and I realized the button was not red and it was green. Okay, well, well, but anyway, so um, starting July the twenty seventh which is coming right up on Wednesday goes through Saturday is Musicians Against Childhood Cancer Bluegrass Festival located at the Cardinal Center 616 State Route 61 Maringo um, that'll be a good time down there check that out on Facebook uh, this week we also have or coming up we have Stitch and Wine in Cardington August 10th at 6pm uh, that's a Wednesday. Uh, bring your own craft, and they'll provide the wine. Can I add something to that? What would that be? They also, at uh, that's a Bunker's Mill, correct? Yeah. Uh, they also, on the first and third Wednesday of the week, they have trivia, I believe, starting at 6 o'clock. Uh, and they have teams. It's really, some of those people are really competitive. Some of those people are really smart. Like I've I only been there it. once, but I'm, I'm planning on going back. I think, I don't know, you probably could do very well on a team if they had bad puns. <laughs> All right, Morrow County Conservation Club scavenger hunt is August 15th at 6 p.m. Um, that is going to be out at the headwaters. Uh, you'll be able to walk the paths, walk through the, around the pond, I mean, not through the pond, around the pond. And uh, they have a scavenger hunt. There will be prizes. They ask you to bring a side dish as they will be supplying hot dogs for the event. That is August 15th at 6 p.m. And, of course, that is a Monday. Mount Gilead Pizza Hut is having their cruise and dine on August 10th at 5 p.m. That's a Wednesday. Mount Gilead Youth Cheer and Football, Mike, they're having a bake sale and car wash. And that is coming up this Saturday, July the 30th at 11 a.m. And then we have local Jeremy Barr. He's going to be playing Patrick Sp- Patrick Starr in Nickelodeon's The SpongeBob Musical being put on by Crawford Theater Company. And uh, I share that. There are friends up there in uh, Bucyrus. And uh, they also own the MB Subculture store. They've got comic books and all kinds oh, okay. of weird yeah. knickknacks and things that you find at those type of stores. You got knickknacks, knickknacks and paddywhacks. Yes. And, you know, they actually have put on um, a musical is called Evil Dead the Musical. They put it on in, at uh, Horror Hound Weekend okay. down in Cincinnati a couple years ago. That's where I had a gentleman come in and sit down next to me and wanted to talk about the lights. Did I tell you this story? About who uh, sat down next have, to me? But, but why don't you tell us about that? Clint Howard. Do you know who oh, he is? Oh, Clint Howard. That's Ron uh, Howard's Ron's brother. brother, yes. Yeah. He's been in a lot of the scary movies. He sat down next to me and was talking about uh, you know the lights and all that. He did not make it back to the show. It was super cool. Um, had no idea who he was at first until I turned and looked at him, and I was like, Ooh, wait, I remember seeing you in Apollo 13. <laughs> I remember him on the Andy Griffith show eating a peanut butter sandwich. 
All right, let's see here. The 32nd annual summer consignment auction is August 6th at 10 a.m. That's going to be at the Mount Gilead Fairgrounds. And then, Mike, this one is going to be a blockbuster um, event right here. It's the Midsummer Market at Goodman Stock Farms. It's this Sunday, the 31st of July. It starts at 11 a.m. at 5684 Township Road 121 in Mount Gilead. They're going to have Riverside ice cream. They're going to have some other food and uh, live music by uh, Preston Cooper. They're going to have a craft and vendor show. A whole bunch of stuff. Fresh cut flowers. Delisa, one of their do- oh, their daughter, uh, recently started into uh, fl- fresh cut flowers, and she'll be flesh a- cut flowers. Yeah, that too. Okay. So- <laughs> and there's going to be kids activities as well as farm animals there. And they've got a beautiful farm. I've been there several times. It's going to be a good time. And uh, honestly, so I saw a thing that uh, the, I believe it was the OSU Extension Office put out, comparing uh, prices of meat, I think per pound, whether you buy it from the fair, from the you know junior fair folks at the fair, or you buy it in the store. Mm-hmm. And I think there was only, I want to say it was hogs maybe, that when you buy them at the store, it's more expensive than buying them at the fair. Oh, Okay. Other than that, it's always cheaper to buy them from the fair and go through processing that way because you also get to pick your cuts. So, okay, one of those cool things. And then uh, we have Harvest Happening Craft Show and Car Show. That's going to be at the Mount Gilead Fairgrounds. That's October 8th from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. It says, come join us for an amazing weekend filled with craft vendors, food trucks, car show, Hay rides, face painting, raffles, the pie auction, chili cook-off, Did small you say stage, pie auction? Pie auction. Okay. Yeah. You can bid on a pie. I'm setting, um, it up, setting that in my phone right now to make sure <laughs> I make it. And uh, small stage entertainment and much more. Vendors, please send an email to um, Mustang, M-U-S-T-A-N-G-G-A-L, Mustang Gal, there you go, 29 at yahoo.com, or you can text or call Kelly at 419-210-0648, or fill out an application and return to address on the application. Does not say where to get the application. So I would definitely text or call uh, Mustang Gal 29 at yahoo.com or text kelly at 419-210-0648 do you do you know kelly's name that uh, email address sounds familiar kelly howard kelly howard okay yes all right um that would be yeah that's who it is it looks like there's already several people who have said yes they're going to that so that looks like it's going to be a good time. Mike, what do you have? Well, uh, just a reminder that the Red Cross is always needing volunteers. And our local Red Cross program coordinator is Erin Miller. And give her a call if you want to volunteer at 567-393-6446. Uh, if you want to be a volunteer, they will put you through a uh, training program. And, um, again, that phone number, if you want to volunteer at the Red Cross, is 567-393-6446. And also, the Morrow County Historical Society is going to have an ice cream social August 21st. That's a Sunday in the afternoon from 2 to 4 at 85 East Marion Street, right across from the um, Napa store. 
Uh, it's, it's a George Cross house. Come eat ice cream and learn the history about that house and why it's significant and why the uh, Historical Society has preserved it. You know, if people listen to our earlier episodes, they'd know why that house is significant. We talked about that, didn't we? We've talked about it yeah. a couple times yeah. and the importance of that area being the first square in town. Yes. And I'm probably one of the latest squares. Um, for sure. But not a, you're not like a Hollywood square, though. <laughs> you're more like just a square. I'm do- For okay, those who Joey. can see, I'm, doing, I'm drawing out a square here. Um, Mike? Yes? Morrow County Antique Tractor and Equipment Association is putting on their annual farm days, August 5th, 6th, and 7th. That is the first full weekend in August this year, and that is actually next weekend. Not this coming weekend, the following weekend. Um, there's camping. They're still looking for vendors. Um, there's tons of things going on. Friday, the 5th, gates open at 10. They're asking uh, for the vendors to be open on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right after the gates open at 7 on Saturday and 8 on Sunday. They're going to have a craft show, indoor and outdoor flea market. Uh, looks like camping. So you can camp there. Mike, did you know you can camp there? I do now. And are you going to camp? Are you going to stay in the log house down there? Speaking of the log house, and you said house instead of cabin. That's that is correct. Well, you know, but uh, yes, uh, we will be open at the uh, uh, Garverick Log House uh, Friday afternoon for a while, then on um, Saturday, as well as for a while on Sunday. I do not have the exact times in front of me, so uh, stop by and check that out. Learn the history of the. Uh, Garverick Log House, which was built around 1830. If anyone has any questions or you would like to become a vendor for the uh, <laughs> for Farm Days, you can call Mac Shepard at 419-230-8698. Again, that is Mac Shepard, 419-230-8698. He is your contact for all things re- uh, regarding the um, flea market, or I'm sorry, the entire farm days, it right. looks like. Um, but they've got all yeah. kinds of stuff that they're doing there. Have, did you ever see them when they did the square dancing with the tractors? I have not seen that. It is quite hilarious. The they had dozy a dozy and everything. They had a dress on the tractors the ladies were driving and trousers on the uh, tractors that the men were driving. And it was it was pretty comical. I, I did not expect that. And, and this is a surprise for you. I think that we're going to have Mac and uh, Faith uh, Jagger on next week to talk about Farm Days. Oh, good. So well, Good, but well, then they can really talk about it. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I don't think there's anything else for Farm Days. Mike, did you have anything else on your list? Uh, that's what I had for today. All right. And then, Mike, you know what? I think it's safe to say that it is your turn to introduce our guest. Okay. Uh, our guest today is going to be uh, Chris. Go ahead. Gabriel check, Gabriel check, check. Okay, close enough. It, and he is one of the select few in the entire world that holds both titles of certified lubrication specialist and oil management analyst. He is also a member of the Society of Tribologists and Lubrication Engineers and Association of Diesel Specialists. He attends annual STLE and ADS conferences to remain informed on the latest scientific advances and studies available in the industry. He began Lubrication Specialties Incorporated in 1997 
and since the development of Hot Shots Secret, the original Stiction Eliminator, in 2004, his company has grown rapidly and continues to do, do so as he strives to bring forward the highest quality products possible to the customers. Lubrication Specialties Incorporated is a proud member of the Better Business Bureau. And Chris, it's good to have you here today. Well, thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. Welcome, welcome. So we're going to, uh, uh, you know, talk about uh, your company. Uh, you're located out there at 71 and 95 right next to, uh, right next to McDonald's. Right. A lot of people have no idea what that building is. But, Big blue uh, and white building. Yeah, maybe we'll find out today. So, uh, Chris, tell us, um, is there any more about your background you'd like to tell us other than what I already covered? Sure, sure. Well, when I started, I was a um, lubrication specialist. I basically went around to different plants and would look for opportunities for improvement, find out where there was trouble spots, problem areas, then come up with a solution. What I found in 97 when I started the company, before that I was working for just Primrose Oil Company as a rep selling Primrose Oil. And what I found is that there was a hole in the industry where it seemed like the oil people had their eye on the oil. The equipment people had their eye on the equipment, but there was nobody really bringing the whole thing together in a comprehensive view. So I started going to training on vibr- um, on different things like oil analysis, um, vibration analysis, temperature analysis, where you're looking at all the different parts of a machine trying to find out where the failure points are. You know, obviously, as the lubrication starts to give away, the vibration starts to increase, start to get chatters. But not just that, but you can even tell by the frequency what kind of chatter it is. Is it because there's a um, like a piece of metal in there that's causing a, a consistent rump, 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 rump? Right. Or you can look, you know, if it's a real small grind, you can tell that it's just metal rubbing on metal. So I would analyze those, find solutions for people, and then just sell them. So I, you know, it was pretty much just a one-man show. I never really counted on doing more than that. I've got six kids. My goal was to get done by noon on Friday and take the rest of the weekend off. You know, I wasn't you know, really interested in seeing a huge company or anything like that. It was, you know, how do I get the most amount of work done in the least amount of time and have the most time for my family? So that, that went on for 10 years. And then when I started working with Navistar, they called me off of our website and said, hey, we're having a problem with these injectors that we make for the Ford six-liter engines you know, do you think you can come up with a solution? We're looking at your website and we see where you've done some jobs for new core steel for X tech, you know, cocosing, you've done jobs for anchor hawking. And most of those jobs were small. Uh, some of them were one off. Some of them were quarterly, you know, like at uh, X tech, I would go down just about every quarter and work on a problem form. So I said, look, what, you know, what's the issue? And till that point, I'd never even seen a Ford injector. So the engineer explained it to me. I drove out to Indianapolis, met with them. He showed it to me and, the heart of the problem was, he said, you know, we get somewhere between five hundred and eight hundred thousand dollars a month in warranty, and when we bring all these injectors back, there's nothing broken inside. They're just filled up with this burnt lubrication, burnt engine oil. He goes, we call it stiction. Mm-hmm. He said, do you have any way to take that out of there? I said, well, let me work on it. So I went back and looked through, I you know, all the different vendors I was working with to see who would have a product that could remove this, and found a couple of good candidates, and then. Turned out I had to, you know, after the first batch I sent them, it cleaned everything up and got all the injectors back online. But then after that, they would leave it in the engine, which what they weren't supposed to do was more of an engine flush, and they blew up some motors. I says, well, I told you it was just supposed to be in there for 60 seconds, not, you know, 60 miles. So they said, well, can you make something that would not blow the motor? So I went back to work and 
started adding some, you know, VI improvers and some detergents and things like that to the, the original cleaner so that it would basically be as good or better than an engine oil. So they tried that. It worked. They spent the next two years testing it in all conditions, like the mountains. They would call me up and say, you know, we've got to test this in Alaska because, you know, somebody, there's four dealerships there, so we got to do that. Well, we got to test out in the desert. We got to test in the mountains. So I kept mixing up these small batches for them all on my own dime. And, you know, this went on for two years. I mean, finally I called, and this was in 08, and, you know, things were pretty lean for everybody, especially mm-hmm. me with six kids. I had one daughter in college. Mm-hmm. So I called the engineer and said, man, are you guys ever going to buy anything? Because you're wearing me out. And he said, well, next couple of weeks we're going to get together with Ford, and we're going to go over all of our test data and show them how this works, and then we'll start buying thousands of bottles a week. So I'm thinking, finally, I'm going to pay off my mortgage and my 18 credit cards and get back on my feet, right? So then he calls you back and says, well, we've got a problem. Um, Ford is suing us for $300 million. And they're claiming all these problems on us. So we're going to push back on the lawsuit. If you read the history of it, eventually Ford did win the lawsuit. And this was just one part of the problem. So here I was, had no background in marketing, no background in, you know, how to do things on the web, that type of thing. But I had a product that I knew worked. And I knew that it fixed these injectors at least nine times out of 10, most likely more like 19 times out of 20. Now, to understand this, you have to realize that if you have a Ford truck, a Ford 6.0, which was the most sold truck at the time, like 04 to uh, 07, 08, those were, more of those were sold than all the other trucks put together. They were just so popular because they had so much power. The problem was you had to put a new set of injectors in it every 50,000 miles at a cost of about $3,000. So to, you know, understate it, you had a lot of very angry people. So I knew that I had an answer to this problem. I didn't want to just let it sit. So I started mauling around, like, how can I do this? First, we've got to come up with a name for it. You know, what what are we going to do there? So at the time, there were all the hurricanes going on down south. That was the year for Hurricane Katrina. And there was, I think, three or four of them that hit all one year. FEMA was making trailers by the tens of thousands in Indiana uh, to send down for these people that were displaced out of housing. So all the people that were hauling those campers down there were called hot shotters. And they all drove Ford six-liter trucks. So at the time, my only goal was one product, one customer base. I was going to sell these truck drivers this product. That was it. I mean, I literally was mixing it up in a drum in my pole barn, my 30 by 40 pole barn, and hand, using a hand pump to put it into bottles. I was getting labels made probably 20 at a time from a printer in Marion and putting them on the bottles. I bought the bottles from Columbus. The reason the original bottle was what it was because it was the cheapest 64-ounce bottle you could buy. That was my criteria. What's the cheapest 64-ounce bottle I could buy? He said it's like a starch bottle that they sell starch in. I said, okay, send me 100 of those. So that's that's how the whole thing got started. I I started um, putting them online. I went on a form, put it up on a real simple website, like one page, very simple shopping cart, not a whole lot of anything to it at all. Went on forums and would sit there and talk about it. And, of course, everybody heckled the crap out of me. You moron. You can't add an oil additive and fix an injector. You're so full of crap. Mm-hmm. You snake oil salesman. So I said, look, this is how I developed it. This is the truth. I was pretty transparent. And then at the time, you know, there's a lot of guys chiming in on there saying they were working guys. You know, I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. I'm an oil worker. You know, my t- this was one guy in Cincinnati. He goes, my van is broke down. I don't have $3,000 to fix it. I'm going to take a shot on this. I had a money back guarantee from the very beginning. If it doesn't fix your problem, you're going to spend money on injectors and I'd rather you have your 50 bucks back. You know, I don't want it. So he, he 
bought a bottle of it and said, I'm going to take a chance on this. And he said, I just, the, the truck is at the, at the shop and the shop says they'll buy it from me because I don't have the money to get it fixed. So he buys a bottle. He goes on there and said, this truck is running better than brand new. He said, this is like the best it's ever run. This works. Well, then all the people on the blog started attacking him. You're an idiot. You know, they started beating up on him. So then more and more people started buying it and reporting back. They're getting good results. And again, they were originally, they were just desperate people that wanted to get their truck running again. Um, but once the reports started coming back, it just started building steam. So at the time I'm trying to figure out, wow, what am I going to do with this? You know, I had one person working for me then and we would take turns filling bottles and answering the phone. Then I hired a third person. So there's three of us and you know, we were shipping orders, doing everything ourselves, just a, a real small operation. Um, as time went on, I started trying to talk to people in the industry like, should you do retail? Should you sell wholesalers? How's this all work? Well, the common thing that I got back was never sell retail. If you go to retail, you'll hate it. I mean, they'll treat you like trash. They'll run you into the ground. They'll cause you to go bankrupt. I talked to the owner of a company down in North Carolina. was the owner of ProBlend, and they made a high-performance brand of, of products that sold to the racing industry and somebody talked him into going retail so he did and he said man it was great watching the first truckloads go out of here six months later i got a two million dollars in inventory and i can't pay my bills and nobody's reordering so he said don't ever do retail if you can get your online business going stick with online you're in control of it you can raise the sales you can lower the sales you could you know you have so much more control so that's pretty much what we did for the first couple of years we didn't really strive to get out there very much well this one fellow started stopping by, and he's, he says, I sell retail. He's a friend of mine. His name is Chris also. He said, I think I can get this into some farm stores. because why don't you let me take a shot at it? So he, I gave him a couple 12 bottles for samples, and he went to Rural King and said, hey, you should carry this product. Well, Rural King said, ah, we'll try it. Well, sure enough, it started selling at Rural King. And then we got Baumgars and trying to think who else. Well, we were starting to ship maybe a hundred orders a day, which was huge for us because we went years without shipping six orders a week, you know. And then we went to Tractor Supply at the time had a open buyer's day, and basically you put a presentation in. They tell you if they're even willing to listen to you. And at the time, they would rent the first floor of the embassy suites. They didn't have an office. Their offices weren't for this kind of thing. So they just they did all their purchasing or all their new vendors on one day. So you walk in and you register, you go up like room 101, there's a guy sitting outside the door with a bag of dog food. 102, there's like a little whirly gig, you know, or a dream catcher. And then, you, I mean, just every, but everything you see in track supply, that's where they were. Okay. So, so they say, they give you 30 minutes, they set a timer, you got 30 minutes and you'll either tell you this isn't a good fit or come back to my office in six weeks and we'll talk. So I went in, I, I told the fellow our story, told him what we had. And he said, you know, and I, I told him, I said, if you pick up the line, we'll let you have all of our business nationally because we can't advertise nationally because we don't have distribution nationally. We only had it in Ohio and Indiana. And I said, you know, we could open up our channels and get on national radio and really do a better job. I said, but you'll be our only retailer for a year. And he's like, okay. He says, I'll give this a shot. You know, most of our customers are diesel owners because that was our thing was diesel engines. He took our bottle and he says, this is a worst looking label I've ever seen. Took a uh, permanent marker, started scratching things off, circling things, and said, now, go fix this. Find somebody that knows marketing and bring it back to me in six weeks. <laughs> I said, all right, I'm fine with that. So I went and hired a marketing person, said, can you fix this label? This is what the guy said. 
Uh, we sold, we got our first tractor supply order, and in the first year, they sold close to a million dollars worth. Wow. So we went down for our, our you have a review at, after a 12-month period, and they tell you how well you did and ask you for more things. He says, we need more products. We want a diesel additive. We want this. We want that. So I went back to my office and started calling the vendors and the chemical companies I work with and told them what I wanted to do. I said, I want to make the best fuel additive that's ever been known. Okay, well, we could do this, this, and this. I says, what about this? We went back and forth for about six weeks. Um, Finally, we came up with what we considered to be the best additive money could buy. And I kept pushing back on these guys were chemical engineers. So every time we get done with a session, I would say, there's one guy out of Canada, one guy out of Chicago. I would say, the first time, it's like if NASA gave me a contract and said, we'll give you $10,000 a quart, is this what I'd give them? Well, you know, you could do that. Okay, let's do that too then. So we kept doing this. And finally, I said, this, you know, we're in Iraq at the time. I said, okay, the U.S. military calls me up and says, we need 10,000 bottles. We don't care what the price is. It just has to be the best diesel fuel additive you can get. Is this what I give them? And they both said, if you gave me $10 million, I couldn't do any better. This is the most additive you could possibly put in there. It's the best additives the money can buy. This is the answer. I said, okay, we're done. Send me a sample. So they sent me a sample and I poured it into our bottles and it melted right through the plastic. Oh my. It melted right through the bottom of it. It was, it was the funniest thing ever. A little it's too like, strong. Oh yeah, no, it was fine. So it's like, okay, well, how do we get this stuff? What do we do now? So I started talking to plastics companies and told them what we had. And they said, okay, you need a special kind of plastic. We got to fluorinate it. Went through, learned all that process. So we got special bottles, had it made, um, put it on the shelf. Before we ever did any advertising on it, we sold, that was our diesel extreme product. We sold three to one bottles to our Stiction Eliminator. So Stiction Eliminator was the first product. Originally, the company, the whole product was called Hotshot Secret. And then eventually the marketing person said, Hotshot Secret's really a better brand name. Let's call, because we're going to have more than one product, which we didn't think about that originally. He said, let's call the brand Hotshot Secret. We'll call the product Stiction Eliminator, Eliminator, and we'll call this one Diesel Extreme. So we did that, put it on the shelf, sold, like I said, three times as many as we were the Stiction Eliminator. It was all we could do to keep up with production. Again, we just we were in a 30 by 40 pole barn at the time. We're just filling bottles as quickly as we can, trying to get things done, printing as quick as we can, boxing it. Um, you know, with that time, we got into Pilot, Flying J's. We started selling Loves. We started picking up more steam. And then, you know, there came a certain point where, you know, we're on a little two-lane, lane-and-a-half county road here in Morrow County. And my wife came home from shopping with the kids and there was four semi trucks in front of my house. Oh my. <laughs> and she's, she called me from her cell phone and says, I'm in front of our house and I can't get in the driveway. She said, you have to move this company. You cannot stay here any longer. I said, all right, I'll get working on it. So at that time I was stressed out thinking, oh, how we, you know, we didn't have any rent, low overhead, you know what I mean? This is the best right. way ever. So I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? We started looking around for buildings and trying to figure out what to do. Um, and that's when Pat Davies was the economic development person then. And she called me up and said that the building on Neal Avenue was available, uh, where the old news color press building used to be. So we went and looked at it. Uh, Kevin was renting the backside of it for fluid recovery. We said, okay, well, we'll rent the building. And we started moving all of our manufacturing there. And then we worked there for you know, a couple, couple years while we looked for land and then s- sat down with a builder and had a building. So the building on 95 on Morrow Meadows, right next to McDonald's, that was, we designed that building and built it. Uh, so it's got 10,000 square feet of, of offices and then 24,000 square feet of manufacturing. 
And we thought that would take us, you know, probably to $50 million, but no way. I mean, we got up to $15 million and we were already bursting at the doors. So then we went back and bought the building on Neil, the original building came available again. So we bought that and moved our distribution center there. And now all the distributions on there, all the, all the finished goods are, are stored there and shipped out of there. In our building, we just do manufacturing and blending and research and development, those types of things. That's a short story. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing right here in Morrow County? About how many people are, are uh, employed out between the two buildings at this point? Right now, I think we're up to about 70, 75. Okay, I wasn't sure on yeah. that. Wow. And wow. The, well, congratulations on 25 years. Well, thank you. I mean, thank that's... that's uh, that's a, a feat in itself. I mean, when you start a business, most businesses go under within the first five years. Right, right. So kudos well, to that. And the fact that you have 70, 75 people, that's, that's a lot of mouths to feel responsible for, right? That's right. That's, that's the way we look at it, too. You know, how do we keep everybody going and making sure that they're growing and, and getting what they need out of life? So I want to ask a question. Can I ask a question, Mike? Well, certainly. Okay. Why Morrow County? Well, I moved to Morrow County in 87 after I got married. I'm from Youngstown. My wife is from Centerburg, and her first teaching job was in Crestline. So we were trying to find something between Crestline and Centerburg and Mount Vernon. So we moved to Morrow County, and I love Morrow County ever since I've gotten here. I grew up in the hood, like downtown Youngstown, like a mile from downtown. Okay. Down in the ghetto. So, you know, you were... This was God's country to me. And then when I, everywhere I went, you know, it kind of always irked me a little bit. The, the folks from Marion County and Knox County would always make fun of Morrow County. So as, as we became, you know, they'd say, oh, you live in Morrow, Tucky, and just give me grief about that. So as the company started growing, I said, we're going to put this company in Morrow County. And, you know, it's the other thing is as my kids were growing up, I, going to college and coming back, I realized there really wasn't any jobs in Morrow County. You know, at that point, we had lost uh, core systems, we lost HPM, and we lost stalls. It's like, man, this is not good. we got to do something. So I kind of changed my mind, my, my way of thinking from how can I get the most amount of work done in the least amount of time and get off as quickly as I could to how can we build more jobs? Is there a possibility to add on another division? So we bought like the Franz filter line. It's like, okay, we can employ another person or two there. What if we had another territory? Then we can employ another person or two there. So we just kept doing that and adding more and more people on. And I always love the fact that our, our company and our industry, automotive aftermarket, is considered to be the best as far as innovation. I love that comes out of Morrow County. I mean, here we are, you know, the leader in the industry. We are literally the leader. We have the number one engine treatment in the country right now. We have the number one tank treatment. And like every diesel world record, like five of them are all owned by us. Like our drivers have set all those records in the last two years. So these are drivers that we would sponsor. Like maybe there's a pickup truck, the world's fastest pickup. And he'll say, Hey, I want to use hot shot secret. Will you help us? It's like, sure. He wins the world's fastest diesel. So we have all those records, all the top drivers. If you go down like top 10 at a race, they're all hot shot secret drivers. So it's, you know, all that innovation comes from Morrow County. I just kind of, I like the idea of it. It's like, yeah, everything good comes from Morrow County. This is the best place in the world to live. So we try to Sold right build here. on that. He's our new spokesman for the county. Yeah, there we go. The story. There we go. Oh, I've, I've been a I big spokesman. It. Yeah, I, I love Morrow County. Again, I, you know, when, when Family Dollar came, when they were in there, they asked me to go talk to them, you know, because I had a business in Morrow County. They wanted to know about the people. And I, I told Family Dollar when they were just interviewing us, I said, look, 
in Mara County, because we're so far from everything, it's a half hour drive to get anything done. I said, we learned how to do everything ourselves. I mean, you don't call a plumber. You go buy a faucet and put it in yourself. If you got wiring needs done, you just do it yourself. I said, so the chances are the people that you're going to hire, if there's a problem, they're most likely going to fix it. They're not going to come to you and say, what do you want me to do? They're going to say, I fixed that because it was broke because that's what we do. And I said, that's the way we work here. And I said, it's just, you know, it's a great place. So they obviously listened to me and moved in here. So yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. And you've recently merged with another company, Gold mm-hmm. Eagle, that's been around 90 years, I believe. Yep. Um, any comments on that? Sure. Gold Eagles out of Chicago. They're a 90 year old company. They're family owned like us. So those that you don't know, like a family owned company is something that just one family or one person owns as opposed to a public company, you know, something you buy shares in or something that's owned by 10 stockholders. In this case, they're a family company. We're a family company. The, the advantage of family companies is you're not beholden to your stockholders. So like a, the way our company could have went south quickly is if stockholder, if I had to pay dividend checks out or people were saying, where's your stock share? It's not up high enough. We may have been tempted to cheapen the product to make a cheaper grade just to get more profits, where in our case, our goal is to make always the best of the best. I mean, if it's not at least two times better than everything else, we don't want our name on it. So we work really hard in our research and development department to um, really push that forward. Our, our lab is, is most of a million dollars in lab equipment. We have four people working in there. We're always developing new products, not just for us, but for other companies as well. So Gold Eagle is a family-owned company. Their, their values are a lot like ours. They are really focused on the employee, and they're focused on developing um, the, the teammates and making sure that everybody's moving forward in their life. And where they had a really big advantage over us is because our company is growing so fast, as, as we're growing, every quarter we basically have to sit down and figure out how are we going to do the next quarter. You know, Do we need to buy a new line or should we try to work a second shift? Do we need this kind of line? So it's nobody in our company has years and years of experience doing this it's we're always guessing like doing google searches literally googling you know what you know at one point i was googling what does a ceo do because i didn't know (laughs) so you're like you know is there classes for this well lo and behold there's not you know so i'm reading books trying to figure out what am i supposed to do every month Um, so gold eagle comes in with 90 years worth of experience and they're like no this is how you set your lineup this is how your shipping department this is how international shipping works where that would take us hundreds of hours and has taken us and does take us hundreds of hours they've got the answers readily because they've been doing it for so much longer so it was a it was a it was a really good move for me because i wanted us to be able to move forward with new products research innovation and be able to get some of the housekeeping and the infrastructure things behind us because it was really if I was to describe it as I, you know, to, as I describe it to our company four years ago, three years ago, 90% of our time was coming up with new marketing ideas, new products. Now 90% of our time is spent just trying to figure out how to get the orders out the door. I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we have our research and development team, but the rest of us are just so busy trying to keep everything going that it's become not so much who we are. That's not who we are as a company. We are really innovative, always coming up with the the next best idea. So we needed somebody to pull some of that pressure off of us and Gold Eagle had the right answers. That answer your question, Mike? Oh, most certainly does. (laughs) And and some. (laughs) So uh, I'm just really excited to have a company like that right here in Morrow County. That's, um, uh, and I, I think you're currently hiring, still needing some more people. Oh, sure. So yeah, we're that in mind, folks. We're always hiring. If anybody's looking, and even if we're not hiring this week, we still keep the applications and call back. Um, 
I'd say right now they need maintenance people. We need at least three or four maintenance people. They're always looking for a couple of people on the line. Those are basic manufacturing jobs. I mean, you're just filling bottles. They're not hard. You know, we take lots of breaks. We supply clothes. We have, you know, lots of luncheons for everybody. We, we, all, we bring a lot of food in. We spend a lot of money on food. And then I know we're looking for account reps to learn the line and explain to our customers. And then marketing people. I guess just about everybody's shipping. So just anybody that's got any interest in it, you know, it's a great company to work for. If I didn't have a job, I'd get one there. <laughs> I've heard it is a wonderful company to work for, a very, uh, very much a family atmosphere and um, a lot of people that really, really care about what they're doing and, and uh, putting that care towards your product. One so. of the things that Gold Eagle noticed when they came out, Gold Eagle makes Stabil products, Stabil additive. They also make 303 Protector, and they're a pretty well-known company. But one of the things they noticed when they came out to visit our place was how passionate everybody was. They're like, man, I cannot believe. Like, everybody here is so passionate about this place. I said, well, for us, this is our life. I mean, this is where we go to work every day. This is our company. I mean, you guys, I'm assuming because they're such a big company, they have people that turn over and they have, you know, people coming through. I said, but for us, this is our backyard. This is Morrow County. You know, lubrication specialties is Morrow County. So we want to make sure it works. And, you know, the last thing I ever want to do is go down there and see windows, you know, see boards over the windows. So we'll do whatever we have to, to make sure this place stays open. Wow. What a great story. Oh, it is. I had no idea. (laughs) It's a cool place. I'm going to, I'll tell Angela otherwise that, you know, she did give me some info on you uh, and think of the company prior to our, because I told her you were coming today, but had no idea on some of this. I that's exciting. It is. It is. Um, Morrow County is not dead. I mean, <laughs> there's wow. There's there are opportunities out there. I think that's exciting. Um, wow. So, uh, Chris, thank you very much for uh, joining us today and um, sharing your awesome story and. Uh, I'm hoping that the listeners can feel the passion in the, in the the story that you shared. I hope so too. And anybody that's out there that wants to stop by, feel free to come in. We'll give you a tour through the place. We do have a factory outlet store in the front. We don't advertise a lot, but we put product out there cheaper than you can buy it anywhere else. Just for the local community. There's engine oils, oil additives, fuel additives, spray lubricants. But we have a lot of truck drivers and people stop in to get things. And then, again, it's not uncommon to give tours at least once or twice a week, just anybody that stops by, they'll say, can we get a tour? Sure, we'll take them through, show them everything. It's just part of, again, it's part of being part of the community. So I, we need to go and do a commercial real quick, but there is one more question I have to ask, and I know it's going to be a little longer of an answer. So okay, we'll be back after this. Have you heard about Broom Sisters of Morrow County? It's a cleaning company run by local ladies. The Broom Sisters of Morrow County offers a fast cleaning service with low rates, specializing in, but not limited to, cobweb removal, potion cleanup, and cauldron scrubbing. You can find Broom Sisters of Morrow County on Facebook, or you can call them at 740-262-5804. You can also email them at broomsisters88 at gmail.com. All right, so we're back, and I have one more question for you. So I heard through the grapevine that you have created a process to, I want to make sure I get this right, extract the oil out of tires, old tires? Um, what we do is we, we set up a company called MRT, Microwave Renewable Technologies, and we developed a process that sits on a semi-truck trailer, 53-foot trailer. There's actually two of them. 
And what we do is take tire shreds, like you see the, the, the form of mulch after the tires have been shredded, and we run it through a microwave process with three microwave generators, and it extracts all the hydrocarbons out of it in the form of a gas. So the gas goes out with oil in it. It goes through a chiller, which condenses the oil and separates that out. The gas goes to run the generator, which powers the whole plant. So it's self-contained. And what's left behind is a high grade of carbon block that they can reuse in tires. So the goal was to be able to set up a mobile unit that if you have a used tire mount, which there's lots of them all over the world, or even like in Ohio where we bury the tires in a landfill, you can pull the dirt off, take the shreds, run them through there, and turn them into income. So each unit produces about a million and a half dollars worth of net profit every year. And, you know, that's, that's assuming that there's four people running it, you're running it three shifts, but you can, you know, hopefully it'll be in full production at some point in the near future. And we'll be able to keep those moving. Wow. All here in Morrow County. (laughs) That is exciting. Yeah. Wow. I had heard rumor of that, and I didn't know. So are they able to still use that as mulch afterwards, like for playgrounds and things, or is it done after that? It, it's done. When it comes out, it's it's literally carbon black, so it looks like toner cartridge. Oh. So it's just – it's it's but the but carbon black comes in all different uh, crystalline forms, and it comes in different grades. So carbon for a toner cartridge would be the least grade quality. To go back into anything black like a, a tire – when you build a new tire, that carbon has to be an extremely high quality. I know this is really weird, but think about it. You go to the store at Sam's Club or Walmart. You can't have tires on the shelf and they're different shades of black. Mm-hmm. They all have to be exactly the same. And to do that, they have to use carbon black. And it has to meet a very finite criteria. Plus, it has to be able to have the bonding agents and everything else to do it. So they're looking for a high-grade carbon black to be able to use in the tires that they're building. So there's an unlimited market for carbon black. And that's what we're taking is the shreds, turning them into carbon black. The oil comes off, that's resold to a refinery to be refined. And then the gas we use in the process to run all the equipment. That is super cool. It is. It's exciting. It's an exciting project. We still got a little ways to go. We've been working on it for eight. We've been working on this for eight years. We started over on Neal Avenue with the designs. Uh, we went through several different engineering companies, um, finished the design, sent it to SAS Mansfield. They built the first prototype unit. It's out at our plant out on Morrow Meadow, in the back on the in the parking lot. And we have been running it off and on for about a year now. We run it for about ten minutes, and something else breaks. We got to fix. So it's it's been a it's God's way of teaching me patience. Well, that's your R&D right there. Yeah. 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 You definitely don't want to get out there and, oh, crap, you unbury a, a huge mound of tires and then, right. oh, well, we don't have a replacement part for this because it's a prototype. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Well, awesome story, sir. Thank you very much for coming in. We greatly appreciate it. Um, so, folks, if you get a chance, uh, go out and check out LSI, Lubrication Specialist, out by uh, McDonald's heading um, east. Uh, east towards Chesterville. I almost called it Marengo. I'm like, I know better than that. <laughs> um, go out there. It sounds like an awesome, awesome opportunity. Um, we are running short on time. So, Mike, let's do the flashback. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. The flashback is brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society. Now open every Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. Stop in and learn about Morrow County's past. All right, Mike, are you going to finish the story from last week? Well, it might actually be a three-parter. I didn't realize this was such a long story. But uh, last week we were talking about the um, magnetic spring springs 
that were at the uh, basically the east end of what's now the uh, Mount Gilead State Park. And um, Mr. Duncan, James Duncan, had uh, sent some of the water to uh, the Starling Medical College in Columbus for uh, chemical analysis. And they found all these things in there that were... All those minerals that we talked about, a little chemistry behind that. That could work towards... Yeah, chemistry. That fits right in with our guest today, doesn't it? It does. Nice. That could could work toward healing. So I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. And again, our friend Stan Seip has put this together with a lot of research. So thank you, Stan. It was sometime around the mid-1880s that Duncan established the Mount Gilead Magnetic Springs Boarding House and Sanitarium on his farm. An 1887 advertisement for his resort stated, This water taken with warm or hot baths cures rheumatism, dyspepsia, uh, catara of the bladder, constipation, and liver complaints. Flushes that liver. Yes. Visitors to the sanitarium uh, could be boarded in the 13-room farmhouse at the rate of $5 per week. A bath taken in spring water cost a quarter. Hmm. Duncan provided carriage services to and from the resort for his guest. In these days before the telephone, those wanting to avail themselves of the resort's treatments could leave word at either the American House or the Globe Hotel in Mount Gilead. Magnetic Springs also provided a picturesque setting for picnics. In October of uh, 1923, Frank Hetrick and his wife Dora of Galleon, now the owners of Magnetic Spring Farm, announced plans to turn the place into a new resort. As the condition of the house and grounds had deteriorated over the previous decade or so, the Hetricks improved the property by remodeling the, the residence and clearing the underbrush. That was 1923. Two years later, investors from Crawford, Marion, Morrow, and Richland counties pledged $150,000 to turn the Hetrick Farm into a pleasure park and health resort. The name of the farm was changed from Magnetic Springs to the Ohio Central Club, which was also the name taken by the group of investors. These men wanting to honor the late President Warren G. Harding chose this moniker as it was the name of the old college at Iberia from which he graduated. The members of the Ohio Central Club, Company Incorporated, had lofty plans for the property, which they published in the local newspapers in 1926. Their uh, ambitious proposal called for construction of a 50-room hotel, swimming pool, golf course, playground, museum, tennis courts, a baseball diamond, a pavilion, and other amenities. All that out there by where the state park is now. uh, Club members also had water samples from three springs of the property and analyzed at a laboratory in Columbus. Chemists there found that these waters are classified as one of the most important groups of mineral waters. At the time, people still regarded the water as beneficial for rheumatism. However, due to the fact that not enough investors could be enticed, the Ohio Central Club's proposal was eventually forsaken. So I think I'm going to stop there, and we will continue next week and tell what happened to that property after that time. All right, well, let's head back. You work hard. 
you need a break. Come see us at Capitol Theater Mount Gilead. Brand new movies, fresh popcorn, cold drinks, and best yet, it's close to home. Visit a local restaurant, have a delicious meal, and take a break with Capitol Theater Mount Gilead, located at the square. And before we wrap up, do you want to tell what's going on at the theater this coming weekend? Yeah, I've got two big things. So at the Capitol Theater Mount Gilead, we are showing DC Super Pets. That's Friday the 29th and 30th. It'll be at 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. on Sunday. It'll be at 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. Also, Mar Little Theater is doing their summer musical, Susical the Musical, and that is also this weekend, the 29th at 7 p.m. at Mount Gilead High School, Saturday at 7 p.m. at Mount Gilead High School, and Sunday at 2.30 p.m. at Mount Gilead High School. Visit marlittletheater.org for your opportunity to buy tickets ahead of time, or you can get them at the door. Again, that's marlittletheater.org, and it's Susical the Musical, and we will be announcing soon auditions for Elf Jr. the Musical, which will be directed by Randy Mann. So, Mr. Mike, I think that's all I've got. Is that all you got? I think that's it for... Well, you know what? Oh, you... Wait, wait. I'll do it. Warning. 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 Terrible, terrible puns ahead. Warning. That wasn't necessary. Warning. I'm sure it was. He actually wrote down puns this time, guys. Well, they're not really puns or jokes, but... Whatever. uh, Do you know that keeping tropical fish at home can have a calming effect on the brain due to all the indoor fins? All right, and moving on here. I'll, okay, I feel bad for you. There you go. All right. Okay, um, going back in history, the fattest night at King Arthur's round table was circumference. Oh he acquired gosh. his size from too much pie. Okay. I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. I, I'm really sorry. Um, you can only get so much of a good thing, so I'm going to stop there. <laughs> wanted to also let you guys know, uh, 1978, on July 25th, 1978, Louise Joy Brown was um, conceived, and she was the first test tube baby. Oh, okay. Yes, that was uh, using the in vitro fertilization method. I thought that was kind of cool. So, All right, folks, um, as we normally say, thank you for uh, listening to us. Thank you for being here. Be nice to each other. Be kind. Give grace. Until next week, bye-bye. Bye.